0: Welcome to another inspirational message from London Live Church. You're listening to our Sermon of the Week. This topic, this topic, I didn't choose, I have to say this to you. And let me tell you how we chose these eight topics in the study of Genesis. We literally called them study one, study two, study three. We picked the dates and then Scully and I picked the subjects. And before the subject came on, I picked the study five. That means I didn't choose Abraham and Isaac. And right now, I'm telling you, this is for me. So today, you know, often I think when I come to church, I'm expecting the pastor to teach something to me to encourage me, to tell me something new. I am here only to tell this to myself. If you are encouraged, if you're blessed, more the merrier. But please understand this, I did not pick this. This week I figured out why. My card was Uncle Zeddy. Two weeks, she was, he was in hospital. Thankfully, your prayers and God is amazing. He's out. We still don't know whether the tumor is malignant or not. The very next day, my mom falls and two ribs. She's now like, this isn't a small little crack. Apparently, the ribs split. How wide the rib is, this is how much they parted. Ivana's mom, my sister, this week she's in hospital another surgery. My cousin, on Monday, he's having a surgery in the tumor in his spine. He says to me, the tumor is so big, he doesn't understand where there is space for the nerves to go down to his legs. You know? And then the, the song lyrics, they say, praise him. We want you more and more, in all things, I've got to praise Him. How do I praise Him? And I i don't know why I needed to spend the last four weeks studying this subject. Why I needed to look at all the videos that I could. Read everything that I had. Or could find to read in the time that I had. And I, <laughs> I remember, Scully, remember... Juanita, when we were doing the pastoral training with with Gifford, um, he gave us a task. And he said, I need you to put hours in a week a pastor should spend on these tasks. And there were about 20 of these tasks in there. One of them was time for sermon preparation. So I put four to six hours. I don't know what the rest of you did, but... It was anything, nothing more than 10 hours, because when you're looking at 45-hour a week, 10 hours is a lot of time, because you still need to do visits, phone calls, WhatsApp messages to people in church, you need to follow up and all this. So you're thinking 45 hours, 50 max for the pastor, you know, 10 hours is actually one quarter of sermon preparation. Do you know what he said to us? 50 to 60 hours for every sermon. So I said, that's impossible. Do you know what? On this one, I spent way more than this. But it wasn't me sitting down. It was me thinking about this. Every minute that I had in the car, driving to work and back. And the more I thought about this, and this morning I said to Slajana, I feel I actually don't have enough to say what I want to say. What I feel the Spirit is telling me that I need to share with you today on the subject of Abraham and Isaac. And I call this analysis of a test. Who loves tests? Come on, hands. There you go. The friend from Serbia loves tests. You might you gotta be some masochist over there, hey <laughs> I don't know. I always feared tests. Not that I feared, you know, um, the questions or anything. It was more about, it was more about, will I pass? That's what I feared because I knew the secret. And what's the secret? I didn't prepare, right? That's the secret. I didn't prepare. That's why I feared the test. You know the bad news of the test is really it's a test however what is the good news in any test come on speak to me what is the good news in any test one you pass yeah if you pass yeah you pass if you pass of course yeah the good news is this if you pass (laughs) You get to the next level. Those of you who are gamers, you know the satisfaction of the next level, right? The next level. And then again, start all over again. You see, in life, we get these minor tests, like little pop quizzes, you know, and things like this. And then, as they would say, a whopper comes along. It slaps you so hard, it sends you 10 years in the future. And you don't know what to do. It's a major exam. And you know it when God is ready to move you to a major level. When God is ready to give you that new level and experience with Him, it always comes with a test. There is no other way. It always comes with a test. Today, what I would love to do with you, I would love to analyze, I call it anatomy, a dissecting of that test. Abraham, final exam. And the interesting thing is, that test was so significant that it wasn't just recorded in one book of the Bible, but actually was recorded in two books of the Bible, even in Hebrews, not just Genesis. And in, in the Hebrews, Apostle Paul tells us in chapter 11, everything that took place in Genesis 22. This is what we're going to read today. So, who's got the Bible today? Come on. I want to see the Bibles, even if it's a phone. Yes, yes, don't be ashamed. Phones, let me see you. This is the time when you're allowed to have your phones in your hands, Okay. What took in Genesis 22, what took place in Genesis 22? And we're going to read from the very first verse. And it goes like this. Sometime later, God did what? Tested Abraham. I didn't come up with this word. It's written here, it's written in Hebrew, in two places. God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Notice this. The region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there. As a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. So, do we know where Abraham is supposed to go? I might be reading a different translation, but pretty much it says the same thing in most translations, okay? Do we know where Abraham is going? Where? The land of Moriah or Moriah. Okay, some translations of the Bible in the very next text, it says this. This pained Abraham. He was in agony. And there is a reason for this. If somebody told you to come to this church today to worship God, and before you do this, you need to sacrifice something that is the most present thing to you. Think of it. What it is. Think of it. You have to get rid of it. Not something that you have spare. Something that you cannot live without. And after this moment, you cannot have it anymore. You have to sacrifice it if you come to worship here. In fact, you have no choice. You have to come worship to sacrifice this. This is what God is asking of Abraham, how do you worship that God? When your sister is in the hospital, when your mom is struggling, I don't know if my cousin is ever going to walk again after this Monday, only God knows this, how do I worship that God today? Yes, I am praying. I am praying that all works out. But if you knew how I feel on the inside right now, all this that you see, this is not it. God, what you are asking of me is too deep. So... There are five elements to this test. Let's read a verse, the next verse, which is number three. Early next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place. God had told him about. Notice, the very first point in this test is obedience. What did Abraham do? The very next morning, he got the instructions. In order to complete the test, there are instructions. Study every day read memorize repeat and then do this all over again these are the instructions in this text we we see two get up and go two instructions obedience work hard follow prepare but there is one little thing in this text that actually is very interesting. Abraham had to be without all the details. Have you noticed this? You will go in, into that region, but I will tell you where when you get there. God didn't give him everything from the, from the start. You see? God will only give you more details when He sees you that you're moving. When you decide to make that step, when you make that very first step, God will speak to you. On the journey, He will tell you, that's where I want you to go. But you have to trust. One of the reasons that we do not see more details from God is probably because we hesitate make that move. That's the move of faith. And faith is measured by movement. Are you willing to step out? If there is no movement, there is no faith. And I don't really care how faith-ish, if that's the word that exists in English language, you feel. Right, let's go to the verse number 4. <clears throat> On the third day, notice that one, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And the verse 5, he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. The first thing that strikes me about this text is this. At the very beginning, God tells Abraham, I want you to go into that region. He doesn't know exactly where. By the time we come here, God did speak to Abraham and He told him exactly where. Because Abraham looked up and he saw. He saw something. So, he knows where God has spoken in between. It doesn't say in the Bible. That's all I can assume because Abraham knew where to go. Abraham has to step out. However, he's going there and he's telling his servants what? What's going to happen? When the boy and I come back, you stay here. So, here's the thing, here is Abraham and his boy, and there's God, promising a massive nation from this young man, who happens to be around 27 years of age at the time. And then, here we are, where God says, right there, this is where you're going to sacrifice him. What happens with the promise? What happens in between? Boy and I will come back. Abraham is absolutely sure about this. Number two is honesty. Did he lie to his servants? Come on. Speak to me. Did Abraham lie to his servants? Why? Why? Why no? Daniel, speak up. He told them he has to do, but God told him to kill his son. How can he to know? Yes, they didn't know what was going to happen, but Abraham knew in his heart, right? You would know the truth. Are you lying to your servants? No, he has faith. When you call to faith, you've got to speak the truth. Even in the midst of the contradiction of the circumstance. If I look today, what I'm hearing on the news and the social circles and what's going on. I don't want to be specific, but you know what I'm talking about. When you cannot even call what is a woman. And when you speak about this and you're counseled, this is when you're called to faith. When you speak the truth, even in the midst of the circumstances you find yourself in. Even in the danger of being counseled. I mean, I don't care, I'm nobody but there are people who do do good things and they speak up so abraham is now confused he so said god hold on a minute would you not be but there is one little element in this here and it says this on the third day abraham looked up and saw the place Abraham knew. The thing is, what did Abraham know? What did the Abraham know? In order to understand this, we actually have to go to Hebrew 11. And I'm going to read this, uh, Hebrew 11, 11 and 12. And it goes like this. By faith, Sarah herself received power... To conceive. Even when she was past the age. That's a very polite saying, way of saying, nope, no more babies. That's very English, I have to say that. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead. And that's about Abraham. Right? So this is like... What he's saying here is like a dead man man trying to have a child. That's who Abraham was. I'm not making this up. This is what the Bible says. Abraham knew this, you see? And he's thinking this. If I obey you, God, and do what you told me to do, which is to kill my son, but... At the same time, I have to believe also the promise you made before you gave me this task, which is that I will have a nation that's going to be like, what, grains of sand, like stars in heaven. Nobody's going to be able to. So, there is one promise. Here is your son. You will have it even though you can't have children. On the other hand, I have to do something that contradicts what you've just told me then i also have to believe another thing and which is that anywhere somewhere in between there must be a miracle there must be a miracle that you have in mind so that the two of us can walk down that man and how he knows this miracle is going to happen is because the first time miracle happened sarah gave birth to a child when it was impossible, in this case, physically. We have another miracle that happened many years later. It's a picture of Jesus from a woman that never touched a man. It's a miracle. This is what made Abraham speak this way. So, miracle baby the first time around when he was born. Abraham knew there was going to be a second miracle. So this is why when he looked up, he saw the place and he knew we are walking down this mountain. I'm going to tell you what kind of vision or picture he saw. So when God calls you to a major test, don't forget... That before that big test, big whopper, like I called it at the beginning, he gives you those little quizzes. That little test, that little question there, that little experience over there. Suddenly you put the dots together and you see a big picture. Don't forget what he did yesterday when he moves you to a big challenge tomorrow. Okay, let's go to verse 7. So, it goes like this. Isaac spoke and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here. But where is the lamb? I'm jumping a few words out. These are the most important ones. So, We have the two most important elements elements, which is, first one is preparation, the thinking, the second one is honesty, and the third one is trust. Conversation is going on as the two of them are now moving to the place. Now Isaac is confused. Up to this point. Isaac didn't know. And he still doesn't know. Abraham has it all in his head. So, God goes, I want you to go. I want you to prepare. Get up early. Gather the wood. Isaac didn't do any of this. Imagine this, a 27-year-old guy whose father is like, In those days, men are the top, especially in the massive family. How many times do you think in the past, Isaac would have been probably still in bed while his dad would be collecting wood and saddling up the donkeys, etc., doing all of this work just to go and sacrifice a goat or a sheep? I don't think so. I think it would have been Isaac doing this because men don't do that kind of stuff in those days. It's usually the servants, a young people, you know, a person like Isaac. That's what I think happened. This time it's actually the other way around. Isaac doesn't have a clue. He gets woken up and he says, Son, let's go. Everything's ready. So now they they're going. It took him three days. Let me tell you something. Um, Abraham resided in Beersheba. That's roughly about 40 to 42 miles to the place where they're supposed to um, have the burnt offering. That's almost exactly to where I live and here. That's 45 miles. It takes me an hour in the car. I actually went yesterday on my um, map. How long would it take me to walk from my house to this church? How long do you think the map said how long? 13 hours. Yeah, anyone else? Seven. It said 10 and a half hours. I'm like, good luck. Good luck. I, I'm, I'm guessing probably it's possible. It took them three days. But this would have been probably, let's walk and then sit down a little bit. It's hot in the day, right? In the evening we sleep, in the night. In the day we walk. Donkeys don't go very fast. You know, there are servants, there is like weights and stuff. Three days to travel 42 miles. And then this last, I don't know how far, I'm assuming probably a mile, because they could see it. So they're having a conversation. And Isaac is saying, Listen, something doesn't make sense here, God, Father. Please explain to me, what are we going to sacrifice? What are we going to put on that fire, on that barbecue? Sorry, neighbors had barbecue yesterday, so it's still in my head because it was smelling in my house. Um, Pardon? Yeah, I came home and there was fire and there was smoke and I was like, okay. (laughs) Okay, they're new neighbors, they're lovely, so... They're not watching. That's okay. (laughs) Abraham literally looks at him and says, Listen, son. We've got it on the cards. Relax. He's got this. Don't worry. Whatever it is, I have no idea. But I believe he's going to fix this. Conundrum. When God puts you in an exam, only He has the answer to this dilemma. Now, this one definitely isn't a little little pop quiz, you know, something that you just brush off and ignore, etc. This is something really confusing. So, as they're walking, Abraham knows God will provide the solution, as long as I trust the process, because God set out the process. So He takes His Son, and then He puts Him on the altar, and we read this back in um, Genesis again, in verse 9. So it reads like this, when they reached the place, God had told him about. Notice this, now he knows exactly where it is. Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Can you imagine? I walk over to you now and start putting handcuffs on you. In the middle of my sermon. That's precisely what happened there. You know, he was expecting to go and pull up some kind of a, 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 a leg <laughs> or, or a head of a, of a sheep somewhere out of some kind of I I don't know where, a bag or something. No. He's tying Isaac. What is Isaac thinking? Verse 10. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called out from the heaven. He said, Abraham, Abraham. Notice the very first time there was only one Abraham. This time God calls out to. It says, Angel of the Lord. Many theologians are absolutely convinced this was Jesus. Because every time it said, Angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, it always refers to Jesus. Why twice? He wanted to make sure that he heard him because we didn't want to mistake this time. When God calls twice, better believe it's something serious. Better believe it's something serious in your life. And Abraham says, here I am. Verse 12, let's go on. Do not stretch your hand against him. For now I know. What is it you know now? You fear me since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Let me ask you something. How many times have you pondered on this text, verse 12? Just this one. Have have you done that ever? If you haven't, now that we've read it, what sticks out what stands out that doesn't make sense? What stands out that doesn't make sense? Let me help you. Now I know. <laughs> Have you ever heard the word omniscient? What does that mean? Karen, you said you're not in. What does that mean? He is all knowing. He's the God. He's not any God. He's the God, omniscient, all knowing. So, how, how does this make sense? Now I know. That can only assume that before now you didn't know. God, is it possible that there are things you don't know? Because this is what this text tells me. You see, God knows everything about me yesterday, because it happened yesterday. So we can't. Even I know what happened yesterday. Even probably you know. So that's not godly thing. Today, yes. Tomorrow, definitely, because you are a prophet. We all believe this. But how does this make sense? Now I know. Now I know. Some people argue that there are things such as this that actually God cannot know. And I have a tough time believing in a God that actually is not, is a little bit omniscient, or 80% omniscient, but not 20%. And this is the 20% we just discovered. Do you understand what I'm saying here? This, this is not the God I believe in. And... When I read everything else in the Bible, and I'll give you just a few, very quickly. Jeremiah 17.10, 1 Kings 8.39, 1 Chronicles 28, Psalm 20, uh, 44.139, Acts, Revelation, and many more texts tell me that God knows everything about our mind and our soul. So there is no confusion that the rest of the Bible is telling me God is fully omniscient. So, we still have this problem. Why would somebody write this about God then? You see, typically, when people write something like this, Oh, God finds out. In Genesis 3-9, what happened in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve fall into sin and they hide. What was the first question God asked them? Where are you? Does this tell you that God didn't know where they were, or is it something else? How many times how many times do you not know where your child is? And you go looking for him? But how many times do you go and ask, Where are you knowing where he is? Right? Why do you do that? You often do this when you want to teach him a lesson. Hmm, Where are you? Pretending like we can't see it. You know, I remember when we were kids playing these hide and seek. And if you are too clever, you can figure out where people or kids hide. But you want to be looking for them too. Because if you find them too soon... The game's over, right? Somebody else needs to go. because, But we all want to go and be the ones who are seeking. So, I'm pretending that I don't know where they are. In a way, this is what God is doing here. He is now looking at Abraham. And is not only telling Abraham. It's almost like he's telling the whole of the universe. Not that I didn't know. I just, I want you to know this guy is kosher. This guy is the real deal. It's, there is no confusion about him and his heart and his attitude towards me. I know you fear me. It's as though God made a public, universal announcement that Abraham's inward faith was now being exhibited With this incredible act of obedience. Verse 13 and 14. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And verse 14. So Abraham. Call that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Number four, follow through. In other words, finish what you've started. Be thorough. Jehovah Jireh. Is just one of the names that we have in the Old Testament for our God. Who knows what jairah means in the context? Provider. It also means to see beforehand. So, what we are provided, God already pre-sees. Our provision is something that he's already seen. God pre-sees everything that you have today. So, (laughs) I love the picture. As Abraham is walking one side. Remember, he didn't see the, the ram. Something else is happening on the other side. The ram is walking up this way. Even though I don't see my provision, that doesn't mean that God hadn't already pre-seen it. So, when we look at this between me and God, who do you think is going to be the one who's surprised? I have to tell you, this is probably one of the quietest rams in the history of Rams caught in the thicket. <laughs> the quietest ram in the ram history of the world, right? Because let me tell you, big horns. I don't know. I grew up on a farm, so I've seen all sorts, okay? Some of them have got straight horns, but some of them got really curly ones. If they get caught, there's no way. There is no way of getting out, okay? And if it's in the thicket, that's usually with, you know, thorns and it's dry, you hear it. There's absolutely no way they would not have heard it. If Abraham didn't hear it, the young boy of 27 would have heard it. God keeps His provision quiet. Until such time, you're ready to receive it. The question how do I move from God's provision, a prevision, to his provision? What is the process? What do I need to do? See, until Abraham completed what he was tasked to do, not before, only when he completed this, that his prevision became a provision. Whatever God is going to do in your life and circumstance, He has already pre-seen. Things that you are not seeing right now are waiting for you. As you're sitting right here, as we are talking about this now, tomorrow, in 10 days' time, in a year's time, God has already pre-seen. But you won't see it, provided... Until you have completed what He asked you to do. See, most Christians are very much part-time Christians. They will do a little bit here, a little bit there. I will come to church for maybe 15 minutes now, half an hour the next week. Oh, I'll come the week after full service. And then I'm not going to come for two weeks. Have you finished what He had asked you to do? If you take 50 years to do this, don't be surprised if it takes 50 years to receive your provision. If you delay obedience, you're only delaying what's already promised to you. The provision to become a provision. And let's read the last four texts. Verse 15 to 18, the angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, notice the phrasing here, where else have you heard this? This has been written way before the second writing of the same phrase. Your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possessions of the cities of their enemies. And the last verse, and through your offspring... All nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Do you feel that blessing? All nations are we. It's us. Do you feel that blessing right here, right now? If you don't, seek your prevision, becoming provision. Seek it right. Start today. God says simply, from here, now, I will take care of it. I've got this. This is what God is saying to you and me today. He's saying this to me. On this journey of faith, when you're struggling, holding on to that Isaac, whatever that is in your life, And God is asking you to kill it. How do you finish? How do you complete this? And that's number five. Believe. Believe that everything that you've done in preparation, throughout the test... And now that it's done, you can't. Once when you sign and hand in, you can't change. You know, like multi-choice, one or four. That's number three that you've scribbled in the question number nine. You can't change it anymore when you hand it to the teacher. Believe, have faith that, uh, that you've done the best you can. How did Abraham that. You see, when we want to find that answer, we're not going to find it in Genesis. We find it in John, who refers to Abraham in Genesis. And in John 8.56, I'm going to read this for you because it is amazing. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced that he would see my day. Abraham saw and was glad. What did Abraham see? Abraham saw my day. Jesus, in the New Testament, is telling us something that Abraham saw in the Old Testament. And if you know the story, what happened in you, there would be a questioning. What do you know about Abraham? You're a kid. Similar age, when he was in the temple, Jesus. What do you know about our father Abraham? No. He saw my day. Danny, can you put that picture up for me? I'm sorry, I forgot. Did you put the QR code at the beginning? Can you put this up, put the QR code before we go on? This is where you could download the study today. I'm sorry I forgot to say this. This is the study number five where you can download this. Um, Perhaps maybe if you don't do it right away, before I finish, you can do this again. Um, What did Abraham see? I know we are going on, it's all quarter to seven, but please bear with me. Mount Moriah, or the region of Mount Moriah, is number of mountains there, okay? So, if you put the other picture, it literally, can you see that little square? The red square on the right-hand side over there, okay? There's a little golden dome in there. That's a famous landmark in Jerusalem. Does anyone know what that is? That's a temple mouth. This is where the famous um, uh, mosque is. This is where Muslims go to. It is believed that this is the place where Abraham sacrificed Isaac. That this is the whole region here. The, the green lines that you see around, this is literally the borders of the old Jerusalem. This is how it was two, 3,000 years ago. The thing on the right-hand side, that globe, that's where tradition believes, where Abraham sacrificed or was supposed to sacrifice Isaac. So when we read Abraham's story, he looked up and he saw the place. Which place do you think Abraham saw? There's another red square down there. That's Golgotha. You could almost throw a stone. It's about 700 meters apart. Jesus is talking about Abraham walking up his mountain saying, I see the place. Which place did Abraham see? He saw that one there. He saw my day. This is what Jesus is saying to the people. He's saying to us. This is how Abraham knew. Then no matter what happened up on that mountain, the both of them are coming down alive. This is how Abraham knew. Because he saw the day. He knew what was going to happen. The guy who gave him a son from a dead body almost. He's going to resurrect him again, even if he has to kill him. Hebrew twelve two. Do not forget that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Abraham kept his eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. While you journey... In your final exam, keep your eyes on Jesus, because if you focus on Jesus, He will get you up that mountain of yours and He will make sure you pass that exam. See, if you look at people, I will disappoint you. I'm sorry, I'm not perfect. If you look at circumstances, they will change tomorrow. What is bad today, trust me, is not so bad tomorrow, especially after you've slept on it. Keep your eye on Jesus as you keep your eyes on Jesus. He will sustain your faith until you reach and finish your test. When in doubt, look at Jesus. When you're afraid, look at Jesus. Help me here. When you fail... Look at Jesus when you're tempted. Look at Jesus when you're frustrated. Look at Jesus when your family is in pain. Look at Jesus when you think you cannot make it anymore. When you think it's over, look at Jesus. Because if you look at Jesus, and if you keep looking at Jesus, even though Abraham, who had never seen him, he never heard of him, could look at Jesus. How much more you and me should be doing this today? Especially now that we know that He came, that He died. And He what? He rose again. And it all happened when? On the third day. On the day of new beginnings. This is the end of this broadcast. We hope you have been encouraged and inspired. For more information please visit Mm LondonLiveChurch.com